A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. To Work Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I'm your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today, we'll be discussing single points of failure in the deep dive before we answer an audience question and an issue from the internet. But first, time for the daily stand-up so before we start the daily stand the daily stand-up uh it occurs to me that we haven't really planned anything uh thanksgiving themed and to be honest if we are if we're looking for a holiday that has us written all over it i mean it's thanksgiving so <sighs> turkey day is a good day for us it is i i mean yes and no like it, it's good because it's certainly on brand uh, two fat guys just stuffing as much gobbler into their gob as can humanly fit uh, in a 24-hour period before the before the law says it, it is once again illegal. It's pretty much like the purge, <laughs> exactly. But for, but, but for, for birds. eating turkey, exactly. <laughs> um, now, are all birds free on Thanksgiving? Like, can I eat anything? Can I eat a canary, or is it only turkey? I, I think any actual, uh, any bird that is not on the endangered species list, is, I think it's fine. Uh, I think you'll have a tough time selling, like, you know, the, the guy in the bird costume that was <laughs> on the corner advertising for the chicken place. See, that was my thought. It was that or the bald eagle, because that would taste like freedom, I assume. It would taste like freedom. Actually, they're a predator, and I think they eat a lot of fish, so they would uh-huh. probably taste like old salmon. Right, and and that's not that's not fantastic. But I think most other birds are fine. So, you know, ducks, chickens, geese, turkeys, um, pigeons for sure. Like for sure, pigeons are okay. And and I've heard that they're okay. That they're not bad. Like they're kind of like kind of like a <laughs> kind of like a trash dove. <laughs> uh, well, they are trash doves. Right, right. Or trash quail. But, you know, I, I think they would be fine. Uh, I, I think you could set your sights higher for sure. But, yeah, so I think on Thanksgiving, all birds are legally uh, for 24 hours from the, the midnight before Thanksgiving. You can start just going nuts on turkeys and other... The other, reaping. Yes, the, the reaping of of fowl. The fowl reaping. Um, <laughs> every single year... <laughs> The foul reaping dark the tide. <laughs> uh, and there, there's uh. nothing positive. And I'm always, you know, there there's some things that they could, that hidden cameras could capture me doing that I would feel uh, more ashamed of. But there aren't many that I would feel more ashamed of than, than my actions on Thanksgiving. You know, just so, a, a lot of like, uh, a lot of like stabbing people's hands as they reach for things trying to scoop it onto my plate first a lot of like in the corner just shoveling as fast as possible 
Um, not not very delicate maneuvers, if I'm honest. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say Thanksgiving is a cheat day for you, as far <laughs> as diets go. <laughs> uh, on Thanksgiving, the the word diet is a dirty word. Uh, we actually, like, I still drink, like, I prefer diet drinks, like sugarless drinks, so I actually have to take electrical tape and put them, <laughs> and put uh, it over the diet on the cans and bottles that I'm drinking, because it's it's illegal. It, you can't say uh, the word yeah. diet. You can't you have a display anywhere. You would go to jail. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Straight right. to jail. <laughs> I was, I was originally going to try and maintain my diet until I was informed of that law. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> You they cannot. were like, if if you don't eat the stuffing, you will be put in prison forever. <laughs> okay, so now I think we've I think we've spent a sufficient amount of time on Thanksgiving related things. That's very on brand. So we can get well, to the daily stand up if you want. I think this week this week is Turkey Day, so let's just go ahead and and let's talk about it. Because when we release, it'll be Black Friday, and I didn't right. re- I didn't really think about that until just this minute. Right. That we're which, having which a Black Friday sale. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can be listening to this as you're fighting the hordes of people in the yeah. archaic holiday of Black Friday. You know, I, I used to work retail, so I, I think I did four Black Fridays, and it was it was as terrible as you think it is. But the thing is, like, in, in, the, in the past ten years, I think we have progressed further as a people and now we do all of our shopping as God intended on the fucking internet from the comfort of our own homes. And it can be at 4 a.m., but only as it pertains to you, like, insomnia from the amount of turkey and or stuffing that you ate, causing you to be up when the sales start. <laughs> now, do you get tempted, Derek? Do you, have you found yourself tempted at any point by some of those sweet deals? Yes, uh, I mean there have been a couple. Like I think, I think it's been in the last ten years. Like maybe like seven years ago was the last time I I truly braved the the madness. Um, there are some things that I that I look at. and I'm like, man, that is a. I mean, like a hundred dollar like sixty inch TV. Like that sounds like whenever you say it out loud, it's it's fucking nuts. Like why would you not want that? Even if I didn't already have a TV. If if I could get five of them and just you know build myself like a TV wall, like it's only five hundred dollars. Like that's... I've seen I've seen people do that too. Now they weren't doing it to do that, but they were like trying to buy five of the fucking TVs. Right. Like it gets it gets brutal. Uh, the last time I did for myself any Black Friday shopping was seven or eight years ago, specifically for mm-hmm. that reason. Like there was a really good TV deal, and I girded myself for war. Like uh, metal bikini and all battle axe made of a stop sign. Yep. Battle axe made of a stop sign, <laughs> leather speedo, hockey there mask. <laughs> Don the full regalia, the full regalia to go to war. That is my war dress as it were. <laughs> and, and I got a TV for a really good deal, but, mm-hmm. but it just got worse and worse as time went on until, like they've they've eventually had to take corrective action with like you you show up in line and then they give you tickets and when they run out of tickets they actually say hey we've run out of tickets and you can't get this TV right but just the like the fights the people getting 
angry with each other. It just became not necessarily worth it. No, not at all. So now it's now like every once in a while, if my mom is really, really desperate for, for a particular like deal, mm-hmm. I will brave it for her. I'm like, I would, I would pay full price to just get it for you, ma. I would. <laughs> like, you're going to save 50 bucks. I will hand you $50, $50. right now. <laughs> Right see, now. That's the thing. Those are the type of calculations that, that I am that I'm making in my head now, because, you know, we don't need a lot of things. Um, and I don't typically like I'm not giving out super expensive gifts yet. Like I'm not I'm not to that point in my life where I am selfless enough to say, like, hey, here's a TV. Hey, here's like a new stereo and stuff like that to all my family members. Because the thing is, like... Even like, if I won the lottery, Derek, I think that, <laughs> that would be a questionable thing. But see, wh- why the fuck else, like, do people brave that? I know that some people have kids, like, and kids, like, I, I get that part of it. And I that's why I figured that you probably uh, would be more likely to than me to, like, re-brave the, uh, the Black Friday madness... Um, because you have kids and kids have expensive desires. So, so I figure that, you know, Hey, if every kid wants a TV, every kid wants a, a switch and all that kind of shit, like you may, you know, put, put on your battle armor and, uh, and try to try to wrestle some of those items away from the little old ladies buying them for grandkids. So my kids want some fairly esoteric stuff already. Like right. my daughter wants a drawing tablet, like one of those Wacom things, which okay. are of course enormously expensive and and those things don't go on sale for Black Friday. Nobody's <laughs> No. Nobody's door bustering <laughs> for high end digital art supplies. <laughs> Those are, yeah, those are not going to make it into the flyer, I believe. Yeah, that is not, that is not at the Walmart at all. (laughs) And then my son, like, he doesn't want, like, I love my son. When I asked, his response was he wants to give everyone hugs. Okay, that's... That's a little too heartwarming for this show, but that's, yeah, it is. That's good shit. He's he's a he's a nice boy. He is, and I love him a lot. the The only thing I can think of that like he has expressed an interest in, however, is also like, fuck me, why? He wants to do YouTube videos. And uh-huh. I'm like, I know enough about that to know that that is an enormously expensive proposition. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and again, like the equipment for doing YouTube shit is not on sale on Black Friday. So Black yeah. Friday means nothing to me as far as the kids are concerned. Which I will say, like, like Black Friday, maybe not. But like, I feel that Cyber Monday is made specifically for like that type of person that like they did not want to brave uh, Walmart for the toasters or Target for the TVs or something like that. They wanted to sit back and like and and wait for some of the bigger purchases to to be you kind of go into the range of human prices and like some of those like cameras and stuff, which I will say like and and we may use this on the on the show at some point, you know, maybe we'll get some of those uh fancy d d s l r cameras or whatnot that uh that does video yeah. because those those it, it's so crazy because you know I I worked at, at Circuit City in like until like 2007 you know we started to have some digital SLRs but you know, they were made for just just being a camera like they were gonna they take some some bomb ass shots but that's it 
now like digital SLRs can do fucking 4K video. Like that is that is madness. Like like you'll see like BuzzFeed and some other big YouTube channels. Like that is their primary. Like that's yeah, their primary yeah, that is, camera. It's that is what you use for video shoot. these days. Exactly, and that's amazing because one of the most bullshit things about uh, like digital video cameras is that it doesn't matter what what one you bought Sony, Panasonic, Samsung, whatever. If you bought it, if you had a digital video recorder or digital video camcorder. That will not export into anything that is usable to any application that exists on oh, the yeah. fucking planet. And it was infuriating because you like you try to use it for like a like a school project or something. Fuck you, right? <laughs> like it is insane. Oh yeah, back in the day we is. needed dark fucking magic. Like Absolutely. I summoned up several demons trying to get them to give me the secrets of doing those codecs. And, and they were like, they we didn't can't know. help you. Exactly. <laughs> Not even they knew. They, they, they didn't have their, their, no satanic connection is going to get you the, the codex to, to convert from whatever those cameras use to something that could be used in a video, video editing software. Yeah, so, so I, I haven't been, you know, hip to the shit for years now. And, it, and it's only recently that I started looking at it going, my God. <laughs> my God. Yeah. I mean, it's getting really interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating, the, the, the kind of stuff that you can get. And the prices are not what they had been. Like, back no, in the day, you're spending all. thousands and thousands of dollars in order to get anything that would be usable. And now it's like six, $800. You can get a really right. nice, usable camera for that. I'm just right. not necessarily in a financial place where I'm dropping six, $800 or so on what my 10-year-old decides he wanted to do this <laughs> week as a hobby. Yeah, that, that's kind of always been kind of my problem is that I, every year as I was growing up and then even into uh, my 20s, like every year, I kind of had that wild hair idea of, you know, this is the new thing that I'm going to do. Uh, this is going to be the new me. Um, it wasn't quite that stupid. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't like one, like one year I was like, okay, I'm going to buy a bow with, you know, some you know Christmas bonus or something like that. You know, get a, get a recurve bow. I didn't say I'm going to be, you know, fucking Robin hood. Now this is me, ma. <laughs> uh, me but- and the men in tights are going out. <laughs> it's like, it's like, look, I bought the tights. <laughs> I'm all I need is the bow and I am I'm set but uh but no like I I did that just about once a year just like had this this idea of like what now that I have a little bit of cash that I can just spend on something stupid by golly we're we're gonna we're gonna do something nuts and uh and but at no point are we gonna be green arrow like sure sure I mean if I had become green arrow you Everybody would look real stupid, wouldn't they? They like, would. They would. <laughs> but I didn't. Uh, and every one of those harebrained ideas where I was like, I'm going to do this, none of it panned out. Oddly enough, except for like the, the current set of equipment that I'm looking at right now, that's the first one that worked <laughs> in like 32 years. This is the first harebrained <laughs> scheme that turned into something workable. <laughs> So <laughs> let's let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. Jared. We still have. <laughs> That's true. I don't want to jinx it. 
I, you know, I think we all have that moment, Derek. We all have that moment where we're like, you know what I would like to do? I would like to learn to shoot a bow and arrow. I had that mm-hmm. 10 minutes. I had that mm-hmm. 10 minutes where I took a bow and an arrow and I went outside and I was like, <laughs> that was difficult. I'm going to stop. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the problem is, I think most people's inner dialogue stops them before they purchase the thing. And I'm I'm not entirely sure I have that internal dialogue. Most of it's like, yeah, I mean, who cares if it if it doesn't work? It'll be really fun. <laughs> and then I spend like four hundred dollars, and I'm like, fuck, not having four hundred dollars is not very fun, <laughs> to be honest. That and people people of my stature don't get to become superheroes. Like at no point was I going to be Green Arrow, like Kingpin, maybe. <laughs> See, that that's that's true, but you do have, like, the Hulk. The problem is the only accessory you need is, like, some ripped purple pants. Don't Got think that's going to help cut-offs. you. Yeah, the, the cut-offs. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Well, please, please, before <laughs> okay, I now. die, can we go to the deep dive? <laughs> yes, now we can. All right, today on the deep dive, we're going to talk about being the single point of failure. There are times in your career when a particular skill or collection of information will make you the single point of failure for a project, sometimes for an entire company. This can lead to situations that result in working long hours, but can also mean your pay will increase proportionally with how indispensable you are. Frank, how often do you see projects in which someone becomes a single point of failure? Let me let me start with the previous statement where you said, then... They get paid more. Uh Uh-huh. And my response to that is... (laughs) (laughs) Really? I did say can. You can. can. I don't know. I've also... You can win the lottery, Derek. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, touche. That's a good point. Uh, (laughs) No, I mean, uh, like, in my career, I have seen a lot of situations where someone has become the single point of failure. Often what happens is there'll be a relatively small but very, very important project that then becomes like a linchpin for a a particular client or or a line of business or something like that. Right. And then the whole thing is handwritten by one dude on cocktail napkins and fed in, you know, through the, (laughs) the dot reader. Right. And it's all written in assembly, <laughs> and that guy is literally the only person who has any hope of making sense of any of the code. And so for this critical system to work, that dude has to keep coming to work. <laughs> and that's exactly right. It, it It's often the result of somebody, not enough oversight or something like that, because... If you have a better process that has like code reviews and you have you know uh, peer programming and things like that, like you can share information enough to where that doesn't happen. But in reality, what ends up happening is, like you said, that it just gets handed to somebody that already had some knowledge. They do the thing, and it kind of adds to their uh, their list of things that they are a single point of failure for. But and like the, all the best practices that keep this from happening, like pair programming, code review, group work, working as a team in a team, stuff like that. That is the kind of shit that is literally my job to fight developers to accept because right. most of them hate it with a passion. Absolutely. And I think they don't necessarily recognize that if like you cowboy superhero code this thing out all by yourself over the course of a weekend, 
now you own that, mm-hmm. but not in like a good way. Right. In a, <laughs> you are responsible for it. Yeah, you're going to get called at three in the morning when shit breaks down. You're the only absolutely. person that can maintain it. You have absolutely no hope of ever moving anywhere else in the organization. Like, no, don't. I hope that's the one thing you ever wanted to work on because that's where you're going to be until you die. And and that's the thing is that. I think that everybody has a story like that. Like everybody who's in the software field has seen that happen to a developer, but then they let it happen to themselves because it's not it, just it does. let they seek it out. Technical okay. difficulties. <laughs> so grand irony, we're talking about single point of failure and my house has a single point of failure that I just Correct. discovered. Yep. Yeah, I got I got this fancy new fiber internet, and all of it runs on a single Ethernet cable. One single Ethernet cable. Yep, that's what comes into the house. So there's a little converter from the the fiber that you know comes off the tower uh, in the back, and it comes into the house, and then from the house there's just one regular ass cat six ethernet cable wow all right so back to the topic at hand basically what i was saying was that if anything is ever built to be temporary uh it will live long after humans are dead so that you know let's say that you're trying to build something and you decide to do it quick and dirty uh you are now in charge of that and the quick and dirty method that you chose will haunt you for the rest of your career oh yeah at least at the company for sure this is a proof of concept means this will be put into production and millions of dollars will ride on it. Absolutely. And so what that creates is that it creates a situation where uh, something is now in production. Maybe it's been going for five, six months. And the only person that's seen the, the interior of that code is you. Uh, so when something breaks, you are getting the call. If something, if production is down, like if the entire you know company grinds to a halt because of this problem, literally you are the only one that can fix it. And so you are, you are 24 seven going to be working to fix it. And the entire company is going to be standing around you figuratively and literally until it is fixed. <laughs> so I think, I think if we just called it for what it was or had like a cool name for it, maybe, maybe people would be less prone to doing it. So it's I, like, yeah, you can cowboy code it, but then you are soul bound to it. And they're like, what does that mean? Oh, and, and by that, we mean you will die. If, <laughs> if you are ever removed from this code, you are now mystically linked. Okay. I, I really agree. I really like that idea. Um, and I don't think it needs to be something super, like, it doesn't need to sound super cool. Because, like like you said, like the cowboy coding, like, that is what gets you into the situation. But cowboy coding sounds so cool. And so I think that's why people do it so often. If, you know, <laughs> if it was called something more appropriate, I think people would do it less. But uh, at least with the, you know, the 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 idea of soul binding... I think that's that's ominous. That's very <laughs> accurate. Uh, so I really like that. So so if somebody is willing to have this project be soul bound to them, 
Sure, they can go nuts. It's going to require three people from QA in dark robes chanting. (laughs) Not looking at the product or the code, just chanting. Oh, yeah, no. (laughs) And then there's a project manager. He's got a very needlessly curved knife. (laughs) Are you saying that just any old knife will do? It doesn't have to be a special curved knife. It needs to be, it's going to be wavy. One of those wavy knives that they go all over the place. Cause that's yeah. better for, for, you know, stabbing dark rights. Yeah. I never understood that. They always had to have some really special knife and that seems really inconvenient. Like when you, when you have to have a special knife and it has to be like at the ready. Um, I, I feel like a lot of ceremonies were, were postponed cause somebody forgot the, the fancy knife. Unless, unless everybody has their own fancy knife. And then any of them, any of the fancy knives will do. And see, once again, we're talking about it. <laughs> the fancy knife is a single point of failure. <laughs> yeah. Without the fancy knife, we can't do it. Man, this is, they're everywhere. <laughs> oh, God. I'm thinking maybe, maybe we can call them like software weddings um, where you get married to that code. Because that's uh, a happier maybe, thing. It's not so maybe dark. Software, software shotgun weddings. And Dearly you're, beloved. You're just, <laughs> we are gathered here today to witness the union of this software developer and this shitty proof of concept. <laughs> <laughs> Do you take this proof of concept to have and to hold? Oh my god. I like that. Shot yeah, shotgun wedding uh for code is definitely I think that will work. So I will say this. So you you kind of push back a little bit on the idea that being a single point of failure result in any money i agree on the principle that for the most part if you become a single point of failure it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to make more money but there are cases where you know let's say that you you have become let's say that it's not a negative thing per se let's say that you didn't just do something poorly and you're the only one that can do it let's let's say that you are the most knowledgeable about something like you have you know, gone through great pains to to kind of curate your knowledge about a certain topic. And so you're you're a subject matter expert and you are indispensable to the company. In that case, you know, I I think that it is I feel it's your responsibility to share with other people, you know, that knowledge. You've spent so much time learning about all of this that you haven't spent the time rubbing elbows with upper management. <laughs> Right. And then the one guy that knows 5% of what you know, just enough to steal it from you and talk to the CEO about it. He's going to get all the credit and all the money. That is very true. But so when, when that guy that stole all the credit, he gets a promotion and then he's put in charge of you. Then when you say, I'm going to go to another company, unless you give me a raise, uh, then he has to make the decision on whether or not to to give you more money because he knows that y- yes he got the the he already got the promotion you know he already kind of got his but if you leave then you will no longer be able to be his smokescreen and have him pretend like he knows what the fuck he's talking about so oh, by my that sweet summer child Derek I love the land that you live in <laughs> this happy place. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's happy. It's still a bad situation, but I'm just saying you can leverage. Uh, leverage is, is not even the wrong word. Legally, I think it's called extort. <laughs> you can sure extort. you can, Buttercup. 
sure you can. It'll, it's <sighs> all going to work out real good. Just, just you wait. All right. So, so with that, okay. So let us say that for, for the record, you can know, you can definitely not make any extra money for being the single point of failure. Uh, why do people do it? Like, why do people put themselves in situations when I think most of us know how to prevent it? Why do we let it keep happening? Because it's one of those, like, I mean, not to slip into too much jargon, but it's part of the intrinsic motivation of software workers, for the most part, is that drive to create and that drive to have personal ownership over a thing. And so for, you know, for a lot of people, that's the fun part. That's the fun part. Writing code and making it do things. That's the fun of right. software development. I agree. And and a lot of people think that is software development, but in modern business, that's not all there is to software development. That's maybe 60% at most. Yeah, honestly, it could be even less than that. So, And so the, the folks who try to make it as much of their job as they can end up getting roped into these situations where they are now on the hook for something that was badly planned. It was executed, you know, on a... a shoelace worth of luck right <laughs> and now they're the only person who can maintain it because it it only barely works in the first place and i mean there aren't too many outcomes to this i mean you know one outcome would be that the person sticks with a company and continuously bees bees continuously bees uh <laughs> they just swarm all over <laughs> Just an unending stream. That's That was my third option, actually, for <laughs> how to get people to stop this, was just bees. <laughs> oh, uh, that would make me stop. Um, okay, so they uh, they will continue to be the the person that gets called on at all hours of night to fix something until, you know, until they just give up and, and go to another company. Or like maybe somebody higher up in the company says, Hey, you need to share knowledge. You know, and then they bring in some other people and they're kind of like, it's forcefully, um, removed from them or not, not removed, but, um, their, their knowledge is forcefully shared amongst multiple people. Um, yeah. To, to very, we, we used to call this like critical path in, in project management. Like when right. you're, when you're going along and the one thing that is going to cause everything else to stop, that's, you know, that's critical path. That's you, you can trace the entirety of the project and everything else might overlap, but the, then you find the one thing that can't go wrong or else everything else gets pushed. And usually right. that's one guy behind a desk. His name is Drew. He's <laughs> been here for 15 years. And the thing is, like, the the after effects of this, and, and I've been the single point of failure for a couple things uh, in my career, mostly early on. It it makes you feel really bad when it's your time to leave the company. Like, whenever you, know, you kind of feel like you've run your course and you want to go find some more adventure uh, in the software world, uh, and you decide to leave the company, that puts you in a really bad position because you may have made friends in the office. And you know, if you leave without a, a, a documentation or uh, without sharing knowledge on the product or how to support it, you will be a figment in that office of, <sighs> of ire. Like people Sometimes will curse you. That can be delicious though, Derek. Like one time <laughs> I got laid off 
And I was also the administrator for the entirety of the documentation repository system, which was third party. Uh Uh-huh. And they decided when they laid me off and like showed me out the door, they were going to go ahead and cut and delete every single thing that I had access to simultaneously so that I could not do anything nefarious. Uh Uh-huh. And that (laughs) then cut and removed access to every single piece of documentation for the office. (laughs) And they called me like, I think it was either the next day or later that day. And they were like, what did you do? You son of a bitch. And I'm like, what did I what? And, And then I got to looking at it and I was like, if you guys can restore access to me, I can give ownership of this to somebody else. But you were so hasty in trying to get me kicked out the fucking door that you guys locked it on yourselves. <laughs> uh, I, I do imagine that was pretty bittersweet. <laughs> I wasn't bittersweet sweet. my ass, it was just sweet. <laughs> After I said it, I knew, I knew I misspoke. <laughs> they were like, I'll see you in hell, and I'll be like, tell them who sent you. <laughs> Ah, et Franquet. <laughs> All right. Want to get to a question from the audience? So it's leftover Halloween candy season. Everybody in the office knows I liked the old school black and orange wrapped peanut butter taffy. Liked because everybody's been dropping off their vendor trash candy at my desk for days. At this point, I'm dreading even the smell of them. Help. By peanut battered in Peoria. <laughs> so is this is this person just getting all of the the leftover refuse? Uh, I guess from they, other they're people? getting the, the you know the bad candy. You, do you remember those? I don't know if you're too young. The uh, well, you still get them today. They're like they they come in orange wrappers and black wrappers, and they're like this peanut butter chewy stuff. Yeah, I remember them vividly. Because they're fucking disgusting. I know, I know I'm, I, I think that's kind of where we're going anyway. Uh, that they are fucking disgusting and they should not be made anymore. Uh, I will go ahead and apologize to, to Sam from Invasion of the Remake. I know you are a fan of these things. I don't know why, but I love you anyway. If you don't want to hear us bash your favorite candy, fast forward a little bit. Because we're about to shit all over this motherfucker. <laughs> so- <laughs> but here, Derek, I... I kind of have a soft spot in my heart for these as well. Like, of course you do, because they're they they're pulled directly from Satan's asshole. So of course, <laughs> of course, you would have a fondness for them. Ugh, they're they're I, Frank. I they're don't disgusting. like the particular implications of that, Derek. <laughs> they're disgusting. They're, uh, they're because, just like saltwater taffy that tastes like peanut butter. There's ugh. No, if, they do. If that Look, peanut butter not. was like distilled in the seventies, locked in a vault deep underground, left there, rediscovered in twenty twenty five, and and turned into a candy. That's the thing. Is it? I feel like you know, this is kind of equatable to the uh, the the whole fake banana taste. Like that. That's kind of a myth because essentially the the. Fake banana taste that we taste in like runts and some other uh, like uh, puddings and things like that. Like that is the way the bananas used to taste. Like bananas yeah. no longer taste like that anymore. Um, it so, used to be the gross Michel. The what? 
the Gros Michel. That's the name of the banana. Oh, I didn't know. I thought you were calling me some sort of weird French name. Indeed. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so it 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 tastes fake to us because we know that that is the uh, you know, the chemicalized version of it, but it's actually fairly accurate. Now, I will say, the peanut butter shit. <laughs> I don't know if peanut Maybe butter it ever tastes tasted like, like peanuts that. from 1975. And and if that's true, then. I'm glad that I was not alive in the 70s because that shit sucked. <laughs> All right, but so what should this person do? They apparently someone found out that they liked this particular candy and since it seems the majority of people have the same opinion that you do, they're they're getting buckets of this candy right delivered and and now they have it has worn out its welcome. Haven't you haven't you liked something and then people have ruined it by giving you too much of it? I, I'm honestly trying to think. I I accidentally did this with like my wife and Swedish fish. Uh, okay. She had mentioned that she liked Swedish fish. And so <laughs> then I bought like a three pound <laughs> bag. Yeah, I could see that being uh, a little bit problematic. I mean, because the, the Part of the problem with Swedish fish is that they have a very particular texture and depending on the age of them, you know, it can either be a very pleasant texture or a mm-hmm. very, you get that good, good old Swedish fish that just sticks to your teeth and then never comes <laughs> off again. Never, never. It becomes part of your teeth. You um, have now got a new filling and it is red and vaguely candy flavored. Yeah. Because the Swedish fish do not start like super soft. So if you, if you don't eat them within like a week, which three pounds of candy split between less than half a dozen people to, to eat all that in a week like that, that's not good. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, you know, type two diabetes territory. Um, so, so if you got do sugars now, if you do eat them in a, a relatively, mm, a relatively decent pace, uh, it's going to last you a while and they're going to get so stale and so gross. So I can see that being problematic. The, the thing is, I have had a few instances of somebody like just killing me with kindness and, and they, they heard that I like something and then giving me, um, enough of it that I should have been sick of it, but it didn't work. Because uh, one of them was was Reese's. Like somebody gave me, <laughs> somebody gave me. Oh. I think it was two or three pounds. I don't know. It was it was sixty four uh, of the Reese's pumpkins. And oh my god, Derek! I ate every single one of them. Okay, so before that point, you were just like. Ripped. You were shredded. <laughs> I was shredded. Like cabbage. <laughs> I was a beefy fucking boy uh, until until the Reese's pumpkin in- incident and <laughs> the pumpkining. <laughs> See, that works not just because it's about pumpkins, uh, about the the Reese's pumpkins, but because I became roughly pumpkin shaped after I was done. Uh, and I also had a weird orange tint to me, which yeah, that I don't I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Um, You're violent, thing, violet. <laughs> but the the other thing that the other time that somebody tried that, they bought me five pounds of the blue raspberry Albanese gummies, 
And like, I don't know if you've ever had those before, but they are the best gummies no. in the world. Um, they have them at uh, like Yogurt Mountain. They're the little gummy bears that that they have. They are fucking fantastic. And I think you've been around me long enough to know that anything that is like, if you say that tastes like blue, like that's going to be my shit. Like I like <laughs> blue raspberry, <laughs> anything that tastes like it is blue. Like I'm, I'm good for that. Anybody that has tried to, to buy me something that is, that should be more than I wanted doesn't work. I, I don't, I don't get sick of things when I have an in- inhuman amount of them. So I think. I think what this person should do with all that uh, leftover taffy is unwrap it and kind of, uh, what was it, uh, Close Encounters of a... Of the that? third kind? Yeah, Close Encounters of the third kind, uh, and build a a mountain of, <laughs> of this peanut butter taffy candy. See, I was thinking Katamari Damacy here. Oh, yours is so much better. And it... It would work really, really well. It just keeps getting bigger. Because you, that, just, you just roll it around the office until you have the entire office stuck to your peanut butter monstrosity. I mean, because that shit is sticky. Uh, I mean, now that you say it, like, I'm pretty sure that that was probably where they came up with the idea of Katamari Damacy, is that somebody, like, dropped a, a peanut butter taffy piece onto their desk and it picked up a paperclip and the idea was born. Yeah. I was there at Nintendo when it happened. Well. No, I wasn't. <laughs> Look. It, that I mean, was a it, lie, Derek. <laughs> if you want to say it, that's fine. I can say it. I've always wanted to say one of my friends works at Nintendo, even that, even if that's a lie. That's fine. But no, I think this definitely could work. They, they start just rolling up. You know, how big do you think the original ball needs to be in order to really get, get it rolling? Well, you know, it's got to be a certain size, but I think if everyone's bringing them all of this this trash candy, then they, they can probably reach critical mass. Like, I think so, too. It's got to be a couple feet across, you know? Like, you, you need to be able to pick up office supplies with it. Right. You, you need and to then be able once, to, I, I think staplers. Like, if you can start picking up staplers, yeah. then I think you're, you, you can keep it going. Um, you know, staplers. Maybe coffee mugs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take you a little while to get to where you're able to roll up like uh, office chairs and things like that. Um, but there's there's plenty. You're going to spend a couple of days just annoying the shit out of everybody in the office as you're rolling along and <laughs> just testing to see what you can roll up and what you can't yet. <laughs> got your mouse, got your keyboard. Now I will say it will be problematic when you're like on day five and you're you're big enough to where you can roll up people. I think that's going to be a problem. HR might get involved. But uh, until then, go nuts. No one can stop. No one can stop Katamari. No. <laughs> oh, now I want to play Katamari. It's coming just, up. Just thinking about it, like, they don't, they didn't really treat on the horror. Like, as as you're going along and you're creating this gigantic, dense, gravitational ball the untold deaths, the destruction that you're wreaking behind you. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it kind of touches on that like a tiny bit. Like it says that for sure, like it doesn't ever kill anything because if you left it up to people's imaginations, like you were just straight up, like rolling up people by the, by the bus load. I mean, just consuming entire towns. Like 
that is some fucked up shit. Pretty I dark. Mean, yeah, Lovecraft has got nothing on like cheerful <laughs> electronic music and <laughs> funny yeah. little characters as they bring about the end of the earth. Yeah, I mean, in and all to please the king of the cosmos, he is a, a fickle, fabulous motherfucker. <laughs> Want to get to an issue from the internet? Let us do that. So the title of this issue is Former Job Asking for Laptop Password Weeks After Leaving by Palehead. Palehead says, mm, That's like a really bad pimple. That is gross. Pale, no, like a, not like... It's like a third kind. <laughs> P-A-I-L head, not P-A-L-E head. Oh, okay. Continue. Well, and when I was when I was going to start... <laughs> When I was picking this question out, I, I read Palehead, and for a moment, I had a I had a thought of like terror of like that sounds like that sounds racist. Like I don't know to whom. <laughs> like, I'm not sure who, but this is a terribly <laughs> offensive phrase. Right? It's got to be. Um, we will get letters, sir. And if we do, uh, let us know. <laughs> I don't think it's a. I don't think it's some sort of uh, racist epithet, but we'll figure it out. I left my job and turned in my laptop. On that work laptop, I use my usual, in quotations, uh, personal password as the password. When I left and turned in the laptop, no one asked for the password. A couple of weeks later, my former manager starts texting me and calling me, asking me for the password. For security reasons, uh, even stating this, in, in, in parentheses, even stating this feels insecure, I can't give out that password. It's my personal password I use in other situations. I want to get the laptop, log in, and change the password to 12345678 for them and give it back. I offered to receive the laptop either by having a former coworker visit me or have it sent via a courier service or something like that. My manager and I set up a time for it, which he didn't honor. I offered to meet somewhere near the office when I was in the vicinity, but that wasn't honored either. Now they're bugging me again with texts and calls, and I don't have the time to handle this. What are the expectations here? Can't I just simply say... I can't do this and let it rest. This one's a deep one, because here's my real and true answer. Uh-huh. Do you have some sort of severance package riding on this? <laughs> I, I think the implication is that for sure, no. Like, there are no monetary or, or material benefits for for giving this information to them at all. Now, now, this is a bit of a sticky wicket. Like, this is why you don't use... <laughs> Ew, don't talk about your sticky wicket on the air. Uh, well, that was Christ. the last bit. <laughs> oh, they, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, like, you shouldn't use your personal password for your work computer. I don't... You shouldn't. Yeah, that's like, that's a no-no, so that's a bad move on the, the original poster. Um, can, can I admit something? God, Derek, please don't tell me that. Do you? I do. It's a variation because they make us change our password. But uh, everywhere that I've worked for the past like six or seven years, the first password I've used is my regular personal password. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember any oh, others, Frank. Geez. I have tried so hard. Like, so seriously, I like from from the time when I was 10 and got an AOL screen name, I had a certain password. And then you know, I used that same password for everything for for like 12 years. And then after that, I realized 
I need to get something that's a little more, uh, actually, no, I changed it because I, I, I was like, I want to be able to type this with one hand. <laughs> Security be damned. I want to type this with one hand. So uh-huh. I, so I changed it to something else. Those are the only two passwords in my life I've been able to remember. Everything else that I've tried to change it to for security purposes, I have forgotten. I don't know how to do this, Frank. I don't know how to memory. <laughs> Everything is Dirty D1985. You're you're not as far off as you should be, to be honest. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, all right, so apparently this is more of a widespread problem than I would have thought, so I can no longer dunk on this guy so bad for using his personal password. No, 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 no. C- continue dunking. Continue dunking. I, I think it's a, it's an appropriate response to the stupid shit uh, that, that I have done and multiple people have done of using your personal password. You shouldn't do it. So, if you so choose, continue to dunk. I have never been asked for a password to a computer, though, when I leave an office. Like I haven't either. Usually, IT's got that shit set up so they can back into it. Right. So, this has got to be a small, shittily run company to some extent. Yeah, I think that's the case here. I think that it's a a particularly small company that doesn't have, like, an IT department or uh, a lot of control over their laptops. Because, like you said... With our laptops uh, that we've had in our our jobs, and honestly, pretty much any job I've had in the last 10 years, uh, they have a way to get into everything that I was working on. Um, you know, Whether or not they do is a completely different story. I, I think, honestly, when I left my last company, uh, they probably have they probably had that computer formatted before I left the building. Um, oh, yeah. Like... They've got the hard drive out and they're feeding it into a wood chipper as you're being escorted out the door. <laughs> like, as I as I was uh, walking out the door, I heard them firing up the wood chipper. Two guys in hazmat suits with giant tongs carrying it out. <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, so, but I mean, like, ordinarily I would kind of dunk on this guy for using his personal password. But it seems like he really tried to give them access to this thing. Right. I mean, he, he did, I mean, not more than I would. Like, I, I think I bend over for people in that case a little bit too often, but, uh, but I, I'm sorry. I'm going to rephrase that. (laughs) That's not, (sighs) that's what I, that's what I meant, but it's not what I meant to imply. I will, I will be the doormat in this instance and, uh, and do more than is asked to, to get people what they want. So I'm not disappointing them. Um, so yeah, I would, I would go above and beyond to try to, you know, get the password back to them, but no, they've got one chance though. So like, yeah, I would probably be willing to make the time if I left in a good, like if they laid me off and I did not have a severance package and then a week later they're like, Hey, can you give us the password to this computer? (laughs) There'd just be laughter on the other end before the phone right. hung up. Like right. that's <laughs> sorry. Uh, you guys probably should have thought about that before you shit canned me. Like if there's something important on that laptop, it is lost to time. And and I think that is uh, that's kind of a a sweet revenge scenario where you don't necessarily want to be petty, but they're giving you carte blanche uh, opportunity. To be petty, and that's got to be delicious at that point. 
But if, if like, if we left on good terms or I went to another job willingly and kind of left them in a lurch, I would probably be willing to stop by the office and, you know, log into the computer to change stuff, you know, around for them. Right. Even if I, if I got to take a bus and it's like two hours out of my day and it's a giant pain in the ass, it's just, that's the kind of person I am, I guess. I'm willing to go and, and get that kind of thing straightened out for someone who has not fucked me. (laughs) <laughs> but but the first time i show up or some or they're like no we'll bring it by and then they don't bring it by yeah that that's hell it. will freeze over before <laughs> i lift a finger to assist them at that point like if you have wasted my goddamn time yeah i i agree with that because even as even as a as much of a people pleaser as i am I think there is a point uh, where, uh, like, like with, with this guy, like they they made it arranged a time and a place where the manager would come by and everything would be taken care of, like everything would be fixed, but they just decided not to show, like twice, like that's that's ridiculous, like that's one more than I'd have given them too, yeah. So I agree. I think I think this guy's in the clear, like legit one hundred percent. Stop contacting me. Yeah. I agree with that because, because the alternative, like if this guy was to say, you know, here's the password and you know, they, they change it, do whatever. Um, I, he, he then has to go change all of his passwords. And honestly, if he's anything like me, I mean, you're talking like conservatively, like 40 or 50 logins across the internet. That is just unconscionable. And I don't have LastPass or, or whatever any of the services are that'll save it for you. Um, I would just have to, I'd have to go off the grid. I couldn't couldn't just change everything. Um, especially since I can't remember a new fucking password, I just have to give it all up and, and, and start living in the wild. (laughs) I'll, I'll go to an Amish colony. There you go. And and that would be a great way to escape these people who are trying to get you to log in anyway. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, no, but everyone use secure passwords, possibly change your password every now and then make sure it's make, make sure that it's a difficult one to guess. <sighs> Don't use the same one for everything. Uh, these are all good things, but we all know that everybody doesn't No, And, and that's why things are so easy to hack into because once they sniff like anything that could possibly be a password, they have access to every single fucking thing you have ever done. I wish it weren't true. But it is. <laughs> so how many characters is your password, Derek? I'm not fucking telling you. The minimum. It does it. Does it. <laughs> BDE123 is not a secure password, Derek. My, my password is like 25 characters long. No shit. No shit? Yeah. Wow. That is impressive. Uh, so, I mean, is it something that you, is it, I I don't know, is it, is it like randomized and you just happen to be like on top of it to where you remember it all? Or is there some like method to it? No, there, there's a methodology to it. It's, um, actually like a bunch of common words all stuck together. Okay. But at that point. Yeah. yeah. Which is 
probably some of the hardest stuff to guess. I, I'm not exactly up on uh, cryptography as much as I I should be in <laughs> in the career that I'm in. But uh, but yeah, anything that is it is nonsensical is incredibly hard for for computers to guess. So if you can thwart the people, the computers will they'll probably take a stab at it until they give up. But um, no, please don't try to hack my stuff. Please don't. It will be easy, but you will find nothing. <laughs> no value will come of it, I promise. Let's see. If I go onto Facebook, I can figure out your birthday. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just go Derek Lewis and then your birthday. Frank, don't 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 put me in a situation where I have to tell you whether or not you're right. Like <laughs> I'm gonna hack your shit, Derek. <laughs> Swiggity oh, swooty coming for all your logins. I'm going to be up on your Netflix, changing all the settings. <laughs> no! I don't run our Netflix. Don't do it. <laughs> Jessica's going to think you've been watching shows out of order. <laughs> that's, the, that's the worst. That's in, our, that's in our marriage vows. I shall not <laughs> watch series out of order. <laughs> Back then it would have meant anime series, but now it, it certainly would have meant Great, great British Bake Off. <laughs> Anyway, let's let, let's punch the clock before you guess my fucking password. <laughs> All right, uh, special request from everyone. If you would, if you have any questions you'd like for us to answer on air, please send them to us. Uh, if you've been holding on to one that's really good, go ahead and send them to us because we are uh, we are in need. So if you would uh, think up of something funny that is work or life related and send it to us at questions at wlicast.com. We will thank you very greatly, won't we, Frank? Indeed. I probably won't dunk on you much at all. <laughs> we, we we guarantee a minimal amount of dunkage from the questions you send. Uh, if you want to connect with us, you can go to WLICast.com, where you'll find all of our social media links and also links to our store, Patreon, and other ways you can support the show. A big thank you to our growing list of patrons on Patreon. You lovely people have pitched in to help us make the show bigger and better. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. So there's still plenty of room left in our on our team. So if you want to go to patreon.com forward slash WLICast and join our team, that'd be great. And guys, there's nothing better for growing our audience than word of mouth. And that means if you like the show, share us with people you know and tell them all about us. Tell a friend. Tell an enemy, tell a frenemy. This has been the work life and <clears throat> Jesus Christ, one moment. <laughs> oh. oh god. <laughs> oh, the peanut butter candy's coming back from you. Oh uh, yeah. Everybody's been dropping them off on my desk for weeks now. <laughs> it's just been rolling around your stomach, gathering up some peas, some <sighs> carrots, and now it's working its way up your esophagus. I'm on that low-carb diet, Derek. All I can do is use them to roll up the universe. This has been the Work-Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I'm Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. <sighs> Man, that, the whole uh, thing with the internet was kind of a, a bummer. Like, <laughs> And the catches. It was just the cats fighting on the cord, yanked it out of the wall. See, they they don't want you to learn. <laughs> it's just like one of those horror movie things where, like, the first thing they do is they cut the phone line. <laughs> they cut the phone line. <laughs> the 
cats are preparing to end me, Derek. If I'm dead, you'll know what happened.